0: I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, he will be forgiven. If you do not forgive, they are not forgiven. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Nicole. Good morning, church. My name is Pastor Scott. So good to be with you. As you just heard, we are uh, using this week as a bridge from our I Am series. We just concluded the I Am's of Christ into a new series we'll start next week. Pastor Richard will be teaching at all locations around the Song of Solomon. Really a unique uh, series coming up, Um, and so I hope you can join us. But I'm super excited to be with you today, and I just will pause before we pray and begin just to say that um, very significant for the church to be able to be uh, commissioned deacons. Those eight individuals that are now leading teams of volunteers, it's the church being the church, loving each other. You know, we come on a Sunday and we gather and we worship, it's important, but how we love each other and care for each other is really, really a marker of a healthy community. And um, so Bethany North is the first of the uh, locations to, to have our own commissioned deacons and very proud of that group for stepping in and being commissioned and uh, there will be opportunities to participate afterwards if you want more information. Um, lots of participation points. You heard about uh marriage seminar Heather and I are doing in early May, Serve Day, um but i believe that god has a word for you this morning and really excited to share out of john 20 with you so let's pray and we'll begin father thank you for your scriptures and uh, for giving us your son and jesus we come to you this morning aware that uh, you have words of life and so let us listen it was such a joy to worship you last week jesus your resurrection uh, on easter sunday with hundreds and hundreds of people and, and lots of new people made decisions to follow you, Um, and now the journey begins. And so Jesus, may you take the words of Scripture, may you open our lives up so we would be formed as listeners and doers of your word. And all God's people said, Amen. Message title today from I am to you are. This is Jesus' resurrection sermon out of John 20. Four simple verses we're gonna go through exegetically. One by one, Jesus has a very concrete and, and approachable message for the church. His first sermon, he's spoken to Mary at the groom, but at the I'm sorry, at the tomb, and now he's he's got his believers and he's saying, here's what it looks like. ...to live in a post-resurrection reality. And that idea of a post-resurrection reality uh, was very interesting. I shared last week at Easter about my own woundedness of going to a Young Life camp... ...after cutting off my finger my senior year of high school... ...unsure if I believed in Jesus. And in the midst of waiting to be healed, the speaker challenging me to give my life to Christ... I didn't quite get to finish the story. I did give my life to Christ. I did end up playing football again and playing some in college. Though that wasn't the deal I met with Jesus when I said, I'll follow you. So often we're asked to step in with faith into situations that seem unfinished. And so in the summer of 1992, I come home from Northern California and I'm a Jesus follower. I'm 17 years old. I want to do the life. I want to do the faith. We, in those days, they don't do as good a job of the post-camp experience. Like, we just came home from camp, and we were on our own. I thought, well, I guess Christians are supposed to read the Bible. I guess I'll, you know, I'll read the Bible. So I started reading the Bible. I'm like, start in Genesis. Ah, I'll start in Matthew. Ah, you know, I was like, I, I want to believe. And I'm reading the words of Scripture, and I I could tell you I was new creation. The Scriptures say that. If anyone's in faith, they're a new creation, but as a 17-year-old kid, I'm like, yeah, I'm a new creation, but I still feel really old at times, meaning there is this part of me that knew in the newness of spirit, I was growing in faith, but my old spirit was still there, so it was leading me in unhealthy pursuits of, of girls in certain ways. Oh, yeah, I'm in the scriptures in the morning, but, you know, in the afternoon, in the football locker room, there's, there's other talk going on. Or, you know, with friends around the campfire, you know, it was like this, I was being torn in different, different directions. I'm a new creation, but there was such a gap between who I was and who Christ was calling me to be. And friends, this gap can be a deal break for so many people of faith. Because they're they're aware that Christ is calling them to a place of spiritual fruit and living into the fullness of the scripture and being formed as God's own and living into this reality of, of new creation. But in this gap between my actual life and my desired life, that's where the disappointment sets in. There's a gap. And Jesus says to us today in John 20, he says, we need to mind the gaps because there's gaps all around. There's gaps in our, in our marriages that lose flame. And the love that felt easy those first years is disappearing. Or a faith that feels like it's been absent of revelation from Jesus and challenged to grow. Or a career that perhaps is, is in between loses productivity. So many places where we feel like there's a gap. Where our behavior doesn't match our belief. And Jesus comes to us through the scriptures this morning and says, you got to mind the gaps. you got to mind the gaps. And he's talking to people saying, I feel stretched. Like in everything I'm trying to do, I know where Christ is calling me to go. But in this gap of the growth gap, I feel like I'm stuck here. But there's another gap this morning, friends. There's another gap. Because it's only half the story that I'm incomplete until that day when I'll stand face-to-face. I'm complete in faith, but my life can just feel like turmoil. Even this morning, you know, there's an interaction. Uh, theoretically, let's say, the pastor speaking about new life and faith is having an argument about peanut butter with his four-year-old that I lost. And I'm losing my cookies, and I'm like, I'm going to get up and speak about these things. Man, I'm, I'm not the man I want to be sometimes. There's a gap. But this other gap is where Christ says, yeah, but look at who you are in me and where you've come from. And that second gap, friends, is the the gratitude gap, where you can look at your life and say, though I'm unfinished, though Christ is calling me to move in these places, Christ has changed me from the inside out. And though in our woundedness, Christ is saying, I still got purpose for you and your life has great meaning. Be grateful for where you've been And see this growth gap as an opportunity to live into the fullness of the post resurrection reality. This is Jesus' message this morning. And he's speaking to his disciples, he's speaking to his best friends who are literally in John 20, they're in a locked room. Now, Mary's already told them about the resurrection, but because they've not seen Jesus themselves, they're stuck in places of fear and of chaos. And the Jewish power brokers are growing in authority. They've just talked the Roman government into killing Jesus. And and so the believers are are hiding out. Because with their eyes, they see that all is not right. And so they're hiding and uncertain. Friends, never confuse the appearance of your situation with what the reality actually is. Because so often we don't know what Christ is getting ready to do next. And so Jesus comes in John 20 into this place of fear and of locked doors, and, and, and this near hysteria of fear and anxiety, and Jesus says, peace, receive my peace, receive my shalom, even in your gaps, even in the place of where you're not yet who I'm calling you to be, receive the peace that I have for you. Because after the resurrection, this is our primary calling, is to receive the shalom of Christ And mind the gaps of both growth and gratitude to live into the fullness as Christ's people. Let's take a look at the scriptures. John 20, verse 19. We're going to spend the next 28 minutes in these four verses. John 20, verse 19. Under this first point of our outline that we need to be people accepting peace. On the evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus came and stood among them and said... Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now this is a verse that many of us in the room have read and heard 1,272 times, to the point that it sometimes doesn't it still hold meaning for us. But when you look at the scripture there on the page, when you, when you look at the place of fear to the place of joy, and Jesus bringing his peace right in the middle of that, it's, it's instrumental. He says, peace be with you. And the Hebrew word for peace is this deep-rooted word called shalom. We actually preached on it in the fall in our constant series. But what shalom is in the Hebrew uh, dictionary is this series of completeness and soundness, of of whole welfare and peace. It's more than political. It's deeply personal. And, And shalom is a peace that comes through the fullness of the presence of God. Because for us as Christians, we know that peace is not a political reality. Peace is a person. And this comes from Isaiah 9, verse 6. For for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government should be on his shoulder, and the name should be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The peace that we have promised to us as Christians is the person of Christ. Not a political reality, it's not a candidate, it's a person of Christ. Later in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah speaks on God's behalf about this shalom, this peace of God, and likens it to a nursing mother. The beauty of God in this caretaking fashion. This is what Isaiah 66, 12 says. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. And the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse, and you shall be carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knees. That's beautiful language in Isaiah 66. The peace, when it comes, will be caregiving, like the very milk that comes from the mother. And it can be experienced right now through the peace of Jesus Christ. Such a contrast. Now, other places of scriptures, when an angel comes or when Christ himself comes, it's often accompanied with these words, do not be afraid, right? There's one phrase that gets repeated more than any other. When angels appear to humans, it's this, do not be afraid. It's a do not. But Christ speaks to his disciples in this affirmative, peace be with you. He's saying, peace is an active step. Uh, How? Well, first he's saying to these disciples, like, release your fear. They're literally locked up in places of fear. And Jesus is like, this isn't what my peace looks like. It's not locked rooms. It's not a set, you know, nobody gets in, nobody gets out. No, no. Jesus said, drop the fear. But then secondly, he says, you need to release the shame. Now, remember the context of, of John 20, verse 19, 20, is Jesus is talking to a bunch of people who haven't measured up to a bunch of people keenly aware of the gap. They spent three years preparing for the very moment of Christ's death, and they failed him. They failed him. They fell asleep in the garden. You know, Peter denied him. They they weren't going to be violent. They cut off the Roman guard's ear. I mean, you name it, there's failure. And Jesus Jesus comes walking into the room and saying, you got to release the shame. And these believers are, 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 are seeing this, this reality of shame in their life. They've been arguing about who is the greatest on Earth, and, and they've been denying, and, and now he's gone, and they're probably having all sorts of regrets. this is a too common condition for the human experience. We get filled with shame. We see the gap from who Christ is calling us to be as spirit-filled new creations. And then we see this reality. It's me, 17 years old, trying to read the Bible, saying, all I see is the gap. Paul talks about this in Romans. In Romans 7, Paul says, I know the good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do I keep on doing. That was my life at seventeen. And if I could be honest with you at 42, I'm not there yet. The good I want to do, I struggle to do. The stuff I don't want to do still plagues me. There's the gap. Paul says, I see this at work with me. What a wretched man that I am. Romans 7, 24. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so the fear and shame which keep us imprisoned as believers, we got to let it go. That we're called not to, hey, everything's fine, but called into living into the reality that even while we were in the gap, Christ died for us. We're gap people. Yeah, we want to grow. we got to grow. we got to change. Christ is saying, accept the peace. Like, go of fear and shame and live into the fullness of Of what I'm asking for you. And then this beautiful thing happens here in John 20. 20. He showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed. Friends, I'm firmly a believer. That here in John 20, and for us as well, that woundedness can be a precursor to worship. That woundedness can be a precursor to worship. And when we tell believers they'll never hurt anymore... Or when we get so busy picking out the woundedness of other people, we're missing the ability to worship Christ. Here were the disciples touching the wounds. It was a precursor to worship and to joy, to less fear, to less shame and more peace. We don't have to be perfect. No, the woundedness can be precursor to worship. We just have to receive it. I just have to receive it. I mean, that was me at 17. I'm at this Young Life camp. And I'm, I'm literally wounded. I've got this finger that's bandaged. They just removed the stitches. The doctor said, don't go in the pool because it's, you know, not good. I did not listen. So I'm at Young Life Camp. There's like flesh coming off my hand. I'm like that kid, right? You know, and it, I was a mess. I was wounded, literally, with a wounded heart that had spent years trying to hide the gap. If I could just play sports, if I could do student government, if I could, you know, date the right people. Just, you know, the striving to either hide the gap or try my efforts to fix the gap. And that week in Northern California in early August 1992, I said, I'm tired of running. And Jesus says, great, come home. The woundedness can be precursor to worship. And I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, really heaven very little clue of what the journey would entail. I walked out of the club room and I got my journal and I wrote these three words, it is finished. Because it can be exhausting, can't it? The fear and shame that comes from this gap in our life. Okay, we've, got, we've got the gap. Let's just deal with the gap and say, Christ, keep changing me and may my woundedness be more worship of Jesus Christ. That allows us to accept the peace that he's telling us to take on. The second thing he says here in John 20 is we need to be people who are sent on a mission. Be sent. These are all action steps in Jesus' first sermon. Faith in Jesus Christ is not just an intellectual or theological premise. It's it's a change of behavior. So Jesus says in John 20, now you've you've got my peace. And now verse 21, be sent. Again he said, peace be with you. Because for most of us, we're going to need that message over and over and over again our entire lives and so if you're not feeling the peace this morning no fear no shame just strive to enter into it he wants you to accept it it's an active step as a believer so he says it again peace be with you as the father sent me i am sending you it's that simple says jesus god sent me to die and come alive on easter sunday and now my people you're sent people no, you're sent. And they're like, great, Jesus. This is wonderful. So uh, next is our strategy session. Let's Next Saturday, let's pull out our smartphones. If we could set a calendar invite, we're going to need a strategy session. There's going to need to be a whiteboard. Where are we being sent? Jesus, give us the map. Nope, no map in the life of faith. No, we're just we're supposed to be sent. We're supposed to be people on mission. And Jesus says, you'll know because I knew, and I'm sending you, and my spirit will live in you. That's next. Just be sent. And the only thing you can make sense of here is that they are being sent into unknown places. It's the story of Scripture. Abraham, go to a place. Where, God? To a place I will show you. Moses, you're in the desert. You feel like I've forgotten. You go back to Pharaoh. Joseph, you're being sent... Not only into slavery, you'll eventually be sent into in Potiphar's uh, wife's trap, and you'll actually be sent into prison, and not for a couple months because that would make a nice sermon illustration. You're going to spend about nine years of your life there. We are sent into unknown places. And when someone sells you a bill of goods that the Christian life is meant to be easy, healthy relationships, you know, everything flowing right, it's it's not consistent with the scriptures. Christ is standing there with the the wounds saying, I'm sending you into unknown places. Just go. Get out of here. He's talking to a bunch of scared, grown men feeling like failures and saying, you you got to go. You can't stay in this safe life forever. You can't stay in the upper room. I'm going to actually call you, says Jesus, to participate with your life. And it will look at times very, very frightening. But you've got to go to experience the fullness of Jesus' message. Because as we're sent, we know our dependency. It allows us to know our provider. When When you're doing new and scary things, you're more keenly aware of your need for assistance we I mean, go on a hike this summer or plan a trip or any great adventure. You're you're like, wow, I'm outside of my comfort zone. Jesus says, Exactly. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And we're not sent by our own power, our own qualifications, our own preparedness. We're called by Christ's power into the very gaps of our life. In your gapness, says Jesus, I'm still sending you. What a disaster. He's sending a bunch of broken people to speak of his perfect love. Yep. Just go and be sent. That's the story of faith. Because as we step out, we experience the fullness of Christ's revelation. There's this woman, young woman, Katie Davis, a couple years ago. Some of you know her story. Very inspirational story. She was a homecoming queen. She drove a yellow convertible from Brentwood, Tennessee. And she went on a short-term mission trip to Uganda. But God did something there. As she stepped into Uganda for this short time and then she could get back to her regularly planned life, in the midst of that, there was a, there was a typhoon. And there was kids living in the house. Uh, they were victims, uh, their parents were victims of the AIDS crisis and they were orphans. And then it started to rain and the, and the roof collapsed. And so now this 17, 18 year old girl is running around with these little orphan girls looking for somebody to take them in. Nobody would take them in. Christ said, I'm you into unknown places and so she stayed and she later adopted the kids after being their foster mom because nobody else would care for her and for them she she ended up adopting 14 kids at all and she says this about the experience she said god designed me in a way where he already knew what the plan was for my life even though i didn't know we're being sent into unknown places and that's really beautiful but most like you know i'm not in uganda uh, you know, I love that story, Scott. But I got to go to work in the morning, or I'm raising kids, or I'm, you know, trying to practice healthy dating habits, or you know, fill in the blank. Hear me very carefully, church. Christ is not calling you or sending you into someone else's story. So, if, is Katie Davis here? No. All right. You say, I state your name in the quietness of your own heart. Have been sent on a mission into the life Christ has already given me. To have a Christ-filled marriage, if I'm married. To pursue with my vocation somewhere where it's making light in the world. To be a godly parent. To pray with the people I live with. You fill in the blank. On mission, into the life he's already given you. Just go and be sent. And then third, Jesus says, receive the Spirit. Receive the Spirit. And this is John 20, verse 22. And with that, Jesus breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty big deal, theologically. This is Jesus giving the Spirit. The Spirit will come again in Acts and fall on disciples on the day of Pentecost. But here Jesus, in the book of John, with a simple breath and four words, imparts with them the very power to do this kind of first sermon work. That they can receive the very breath of Christ It can be the very power source for every journey they're going to take. And I love the comedy of the situation because it's like Jesus is talking. He's like, hold on. I don't know if they would have been humbled by that or laughing. I don't know the mood in the room. I do know that God does some of his most powerful work with a simple breath. Think about in Genesis where God is walking and creating and takes dust. And he gives the dust his breath and we have life. Or the book of Ezekiel, where the prophet Ezekiel says, I'm going to put breath into you and make you alive again. I mean, we, we have the receiving of the Holy Spirit here, and we don't do anything to earn it. Jesus' breath brings new life. Like, new life. Now, have you been in that room, in that delivery room? For some of you, you're parents in the room. You know, there's the stress... the anguish and then there's the moment and the baby comes and then it's like you can see them before they start crying you can see the breath enter their very lungs sacred because some of us have been in the room when babies came without breath the very breath that we breathe is a gift your entire life is a gift from god so receive the giftedness of your life receive it and live into it receive the spirit with gratitude and awareness and that's where the second gap is so important if we spend our entire life looking at this growth gap it sure brings in a lot of shame and fear and very little peace and so we we're called to take stock of the things we're grateful for god thank you for the breath in my lungs thank you for this day thank you for you know the gratitude can be a precursor of being aware of what god has already done in your life and so the breath that we have is a gift from God, I got to take some kids from this church to tween camp in the fall, and uh, I wasn't a lead, I was just a leader. I wasn't a planner, and I was just sitting in the chairs with the kids. and And the night we would gather, and the kids would sing worship songs. 10, ten, eleven year old boys, they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna worship together." I'm like, "Ah." I don't know. Like they can barely like unpack their bag. Like things were just exploding in our room. There's all kinds of ungodly smells. I'm like, are you sure that's a good idea? They said yes, and so they played music and we started singing these songs. One of the songs that just stayed with these kids, my son in particular. This song, it's a worship song. It's a Chris Tomlin song. I don't even know the name of it, but the the refrain was, "Breathe on me, breath of God, breathe on me." And I'm I'm telling you. I'm standing there worried about, i got to get back Sunday morning for church and think about all these things. And I'm hearing these young kids singing these words. Awake, awake, awake my soul. And it's like, poof, convicted. That the breath of God is, is meant to be every day received with a gift and, and shared with everyone that we're around. So that they see us as people of profound gratitude. And the Spirit lives in us, allowing us to move from this gratitude gap through into the growth gap, where, where Christ is going to keep shaping us. This is the final word he gives us. This comes out of verse 23, about sharing the word of forgiveness. This is John 20, verse 23, where Jesus continues, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. Keep in mind, he's just given them his breath, the Holy Spirit. Out of that, he says, here's the fruit, Forgiveness. If you forgive anyone's sins, the sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What in the world is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about the power to express his forgiveness, which he had just died on the cross and resurrected, and share it with the whole world. And all these different values of receiving peace and receiving the Spirit and being sent on a mission, they're all all connected and interdependent. Your ability to forgive others will come, says Jesus, as you know you're forgiven by God. You're forgiven as you receive the Holy Spirit, and now forgive others. Express forgiveness. May your life be lived, says Jesus, in a very very way where it's expressing forgiveness, that the whole world would know about this post-resurrection life. In forgiving others, we live into the fullness of the call to be spreading the gospel message. Ah, that's countercultural. One of our teaching team members this week dug this out. This is a story uh, about the AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, where the the shooting happened in early 2015. Where the shooter, Dylan Roof, walked into the African-American church and took the lives of nine people. And two days later, as the nation was simmered with outrage on the verge of maybe civil war between whites and blacks, which Dylan Roof was trying to do, was inside a race war. The nation is watching the trial, and the families of those murdered by Roof were allowed to watch with closed-circuit television the the proceedings. As the shooter, Roof, stood nearly expressionless, flanked by police. All the victim's relatives were there. Perhaps the baldest declaration of forgiveness that they all came to came from Nadine Collier, the daughter of slain member Ethel Lance. Where, instead of outrage, they expressed forgiveness. And this young woman whose mom had been murdered by this young, angry white man, this African-American woman of great strength, Nadine Collier, says, if God forgives you, Dylan, I forgive you. And that's a different kind of forgiveness. That's a response to radical love and grace, which depends on the power of God, not our own power. Christ is calling us that we would be people to live into the fullness of this mission, moving out of places of fear or shame, moving out of locked doors, places where we're feeling stuck, that we are accepting the peace of Christ, that we're, we're sent, that we receive the Spirit, and that we are expressing God's forgiveness because, friends, Jesus died not just for you, though he did. He died for the whole world to know. So our life should be lived with an expression of grace. That we might see the people that we love and run with and see them as forgiven by Christ too. When we see the risen Lord, our life has to change. There's this poem by Jan Richardson. I came across it on Holy Weekend. A poem was called "Seen" for Easter Day. And it's about Mary, a little bit out of context here. Mary has just seen Jesus earlier in this passage. I think it's beautiful about how do we actually live in to these gap moments of our life. Seen by Jan Richardson. You had not imagined that something so empty could fill you to overflowing. And now you carry the knowledge like an awful treasure or like a child that curls itself within your heart. How the emptiness will bear forth a new world you cannot fathom, but on whose edge you stand. And so, Mary, why do you linger? You have seen, and so you are already blessed. You have been seen, and so you are the blessing. There is no other word you need. There is simply to go and tell. There is simply to begin. What's the heart of this first sermon, his his resurrection sermon, from I am to you are? It's simply to begin. There's a gap from who you are to who Christ is calling you to be. Okay, deal with it. Begin to ask Christ to shape you. There is a gap from who you were to who you are today. Be grateful and begin to give more and more thanks to God for what he's done in your life and go and tell others that Jesus is radically trying to change not just us but the whole world 25 years ago this wounded 17 year old kid wrote it is finished For 25 years my friends I will tell you this morning as well as A 1,000 mornings in the last couple years. I'm profoundly, keenly aware of the gap in my own life of who I want to be. For 25 years, there's been this gap. I like to believe that as I get older, the gap gets smaller and smaller, but then mornings like this morning remind me I still got a ways to go. Mind the gap. And be grateful for where you've come. Because Christ wants to write a beautiful story of faith growing in you, changing our entire community. He's not done with us let's pray father thank you for the words of scripture that you gave through your son to live out and thank you that jesus you came with such authority and you came in your woundedness but also in your resurrection that you spoke your truth to your people and lord you forgave them for the places of fear and shame that they were feeling trapped and then you sent them on the greatest mission of all time You took 120 and sent them around the world, and now billions call themselves believers because of this radical witness, not of perfect people, but people of the gap. We don't want to try to cover up anymore. It's so exhausting. Or pretend that our life is somehow perfect. It's not, Lord, but allow us to both be grateful for your grace and mining the places where you keep wanting to change us that our life would be a witness to others allow this congregation to accept your peace drop the fear drop the shame and be sent on this mission of expressing your love to the whole world just thank you for what you're doing in us through us and all god's people said amen will you stand with us as we close in song as always there's prayer team people down front in just a moment, if you want to pray over a gap in your life, something you want God to be shaping, or some gratitude you're feeling right now, all of us in the room, we're aligned. We're gap people, we're people that Jesus died for. Let's continue in song.